Hey guys, we get to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's again a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you guys find the podcast on YouTube and anywhere else you can get your podcast. And we're just so thankful that you guys are here and that you guys are with us today. Um, again, subscribe on the YouTube page. We're just so glad you guys have found us. And we're so glad that you want to be a part of our podcast family here. So we really appreciate you guys. Um, so on Monday, I had a meeting, so we couldn't record on Monday, but I'm thankful we can be here on Thursday um, to record and be here with you guys um, as we continue to study and work and work and grow together. All right. So uh, this week I was uh, I was watching a uh, I was watching a podcast and I think a good question was posed, but I want to reword the question. And here's how I want to reword that question, because I think we'll be able to understand it a little bit better. So here's the question as we start our conversation today. Do you guys ever feel like you are missing your noun in life? Your what? Your N-O-U-N, your noun. Do you feel like you're ever missing your noun? Right. So you may be out of school. You may be in college. You may be out of college. So I didn't mean to hit you with English, but what is a noun? Right. A noun is a person, place or thing. So do you ever feel like as you're as you're going through your life that you're missing out on your noun, whatever that is for you? And what is that feeling that you and I get right as we as we wait on the Lord and as we're dependent on him? Um, for the things that he deems necessary for us or what he doesn't deem necessary for us. How do you feel when you feel like you're missing out on something? You get a little restless maybe, right? You start getting a little antsy. You start trying to want to get things to move the way you want them to move. And as you're waiting for days and for months and for years, you know, you kind of justify in your mind, well, you've done this long enough, you've sacrificed long enough, you've waited long enough, you've spent long enough time doing this, so therefore, I kind of deserve this to happen to me. I deserve this to happen, right? And so we start to move different, and we take what Paul said later, right, in, in the book of Philippians. We take what Paul said, and we kind of twist what he said a little bit the wrong way, and here's what I mean. Remember when Paul says, I'm, I'm running a race, I run the race with patience, I run the race with endurance, we literally view our life as we're racing against those friends that we know. We're racing against family. We're racing against some of our brethren. And we look at it and we literally look at where they're at in life and where you're at in life. And you feel like you take that word because the Christian life is a race, right? So you take that word and then you compare your lane to somebody else's lane. And as you see people supposedly moving ahead of you or going faster than you, or they seem farther along than you, you kind of start to ask God the question, am I too late? A am I too late? Did I miss my opportunity? Did I miss my moment? Did I miss my my time to maybe achieve or maybe to reach for or maybe to have that noun in my life and your life? Is this hitting home? 
This is this is a real this is a real question that a lot of people face, whether we say it out loud or we don't say it out loud. So am am I too late? Am I too late? And, and so as we kind of start this conversation, guys, I, I really want to look at Genesis chapter 25. We're going to go to other places, but our, our home anchor text here is Genesis chapter 25. Because as we go through this, that feeling, guys, that that I know some of you have, we've had plenty of conversations, plenty of conversations. And that feeling that we can have of, it's almost like uh, you expect something to happen, but things don't happen in the way that you expected or in your time frame. And therefore, you start to get mad at the nouns that are around you. You get mad at the persons, places, and things that are around you because those nouns that are in your life presently aren't moving as fast as you want those nouns to move. And so as we look at things, I want to look at things through Scripture honestly. I want to look at things prayerfully, and I want to look at these things with some intention because as we go through this, guys, this is not, if this was easy, we wouldn't be talking about this. I wouldn't be talking about this, but this is not easy. And I want to encourage you, and I, I hope that as we talk about this, I want to encourage you as you go, the Lord never works in a rush. He never does. We work in the rush. And so I, I understand, trust me, I understand the feeling of, in some ways, you can feel left behind in the race. You can feel as almost as if, I mean, it's almost like you're running like a tortoise and everybody else is the hare. You know, everybody else has that speed. They have the agility. They have the opportunity. They have all those things. And you feel like you're just, you're running behind. I understand that. I get it. But I, I hope to encourage you. And, and maybe uplift you a little bit if, if that's how you feel about how God is treating you in your race, right? I hope that I hope that this can encourage you. So Genesis 25, I want to look at Jacob here. Now, you're wondering, well, why Jacob in this example? I didn't think Jacob would work with this either. But the more, the more I studied this and the more I looked at it, I was like, man, this just, this makes, this makes too much sense. It makes way too much sense for this not to fit. It's just perfect the way his mindset worked. So remember before this, Abraham in Genesis 12, Abraham gets the, the promise that he would have, that God would essentially multiply him from generation to generation, right? And that he would have a, a promised son. And that promised son happened to be Isaac, right? And as Isaac continues to grow and continues to develop, the promise from Abraham goes down. So yes, Abraham is the father of that promise, but the but the males in that family would share in that birthright with Abram, right? Even though Abraham was the father of it, Genesis 12. So the promise is something that the oldest son would be endowed with and it's also something that he would look forward to. He would reach towards that. And once his father gave him that blessing, and we see plenty of, plenty of examples of this, even in the New Testament. Remember in Genesis 15 with the inheritance? That was supposed to be given when the father was getting ready to pass away. But the father is giving his son the inheritance. We see that later on in the book of Genesis, right? Genesis chapter 48, 49, 50. We see that with, um, 
with Jacob's father, right? Jacob is getting ready to, or Joseph is getting, Joseph's father is getting ready to hand out all those blessings, right? So we see the imagery everywhere in scripture. And as we look at Jacob, I want to notice something that he's reaching for, which is good initially. And I hope that this can help you and me as we look at this. So start in verse, uh, let's start in verse 29, Genesis 25, 29. Now, again, quickly, just to give you some context, verse 23, look at what the Lord told Rebecca. Um, verse 20, verse 23. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people will be separated from your body. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So you got to remember this. Not only did he have the, the promise, right, endowed because he was one of the sons. Now Esau, Esau would get the first who he was supposed to, but he also has this promise too, that the older will serve the younger. So Jacob has some things to look forward to later. Right, He has some things to look forward to as you and I have some stuff that we're looking forward to as we run, as we run our race. Now, verse 29. Now, Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, now what's his question? Sell me your birthright. Isn't that interesting that Jacob, again, we look at Jacob as like a supplanter, as a trickster, which that's what he was. That's literally what his name means, right? We look at him as a trickster. We look at him as a supplanter. But one of the things that Jacob was doing correctly, even though his faith was small at this point, Jacob was looking towards something and he understood the value of that birthright. And he understood the value of that promise. So therefore, since he understood that, he reached out for it. So Jacob, if we're just breaking this down in points to help you guys out as we talk, Jacob had desire. And sometimes when we think about that word desire, the main connotation of that is sometimes really bad. But it's good to desire good things. Jacob desired the birthright. He desired to be included with Abraham, he he desired to be included with his father uh, of Abraham's birthright. He was he wanted to be included in that, and that's a good thing. And as you and I run our race, what is your noun? I guarantee every person, every place, and everything that are around you is not necessarily inherently bad. Your noun for you in this present moment isn't a bad thing, but. The desire for that noun is good, but how you go about to get that thing, that can be where it turns bad. So notice the good thing. Jacob had a good desire. The desire was the birthright. Jacob saw value in it, right? And we even see later on, Jesus alludes to parables, the pearl with great price. There's going to be things that we need to see the value in it. And Jacob saw the value in the birthright that Esau couldn't see. And so now he was, he was, he had the desire, but he was desperate. He had the desire, but he was desperate. So watch what he does. Sell me your birthright. Right as of this day. I want it right now. I need your birthright now. So was wanting the birthright a good thing? Yeah, it was. 
because he understood the value of it. But the way that he wanted it, was that a good thing? No. You see, desire is good, but desire with desperation <laughs> always leads to problems, right? It always leads to problems. I remember there was a uh, there was a show um, back in the day, and an older brother was essentially teaching a younger brother how to get this date for 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 school or whatever, right? And so the the younger brother's like, man, I really I really like her. I really want to be around her. I really want to be with her, but I I just don't know. I just don't know how to do it, right? <laughs> and the older brother, the older brother is like, yeah, man, I've I've definitely been where you are, man. I've definitely been where you are. And the younger brother said, well, what do I do? Well, he's like, well, you could do what I do. <laughs> he said, you could desire. And then you could literally get on your knees and you could just beg. I, I can change. Be please. Take me back. I can change. Right. So he had desire too, right? But he was desperate. He was desperate. So when we have desire, but when it's coupled with desperation, that's always bad. So notice, notice what um notice what Esau, notice what Jacob is doing. Jacob is saying, I I see what you have is valuable. But the way that I'm going to get what I want, that's not good. I want it right now. I want it now. You see, sometimes that's where many of us are in our race. We're at the point where we desire good things. And the Lord wants us to desire good things. And, and eventually those things, hopefully within his will, work within his will for you. But the role that you take to get those good things can end up making a good thing a bad thing. And I don't want to see you guys in that position. You can make the road to get a good thing a bad thing. So Jacob's road to get the good thing was actually a bad thing. So he became desperate. And many times that shows on my part, on Jacob's part, and even on your part, that can show a lack of faith. Lord, I really want this, this noun for me. I really want this noun in my life. So therefore, because I want this noun, I want to get it because I don't want to miss it. Because I don't want to miss my opportunity. You don't know how long it's taken for even an opportunity for a noun for me to be here. Or even to get here or to be presented in front of me. You don't know how long it's taken. You don't know the bad nouns that's happened in the past. You don't know the nouns that's happened in the present. So this is a really good noun in my life right now. This is a really good one. So I don't want to miss this noun. So therefore, I don't want to miss my moment. I don't want to miss my time. I don't want to miss my opportunity. I don't want this noun to go past me. I don't want to go past it. You see what I'm saying? So now we're having these conversations with ourselves, and we've taken something that is initially good, and we've made the road to get to that thing very bad. And that's what Jacob is doing. So as you guys and me, as we're running our race together, I encourage you, your desires that you have for the nouns in your life, for the persons, places, and things, I'm sure if you have the right heart, those things are beautiful in, in intention. I truly believe that about you guys. They're truly beautiful in their intention. But the way that you go about obtaining or, or reaching towards those beautiful things, it matters. It really does matter how you reach towards a beautiful thing. 
we can take something that's beautiful and the way that we the way that we reach towards it is ugly. We have to make we have it's, it's got to match. It's got to be beauty for beauty. And so in order in order to reach beauty for beauty, can you rush that process? No. But what do we what do we all and as we see Jacob doing, what do we tend to do? We tend to rush that process. We tend to rush it. And I understand, as you understand, I know it's tough. But as we do this together, desire is good. Jacob desired, and I think Jacob had some faith here because he actually desired something that Esau didn't. But the faith was little. And it takes faith, guys. And I know that this is this is not easy, man. And I'm not saying this from a place that I understand it all and I've always done this correctly because I haven't. But it takes some faith, guys, when you see a noun in your life that you desire. When you see a noun in your life, it takes some faith to trust in the Lord's time for it. Man, it takes some faith. And sometimes sometimes what we can do is instead of using faith, we'll use, we'll use our fear of losing said noun and we will be we will be in our feelings about it too and that's never a good combination it's never a good combination because then faith is not being exercised and it's a tough thing to be in uh, it's a tough thing to be in but Jacob had desire but that desire was coupled with desperation and we never want that to be the case Right, we never want that to be the case. Now let's keep going. Um, so verse thirty-one. So notice, notice what Jacob's saying. Jacob says, "Look, I see your value. I, I see the value of, of what you can obtain, which that's some faith there. But the way that I want to obtain it, I want it right now." Verse thirty-one. I want it now. So then thirty-two. Then Esau said, "Look, I am about to die." What is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, again, rushing the process. Then Jacob said, swear to me today. How many times has Jacob said today? (laughs) Have you noticed that in the text? Don't let that fly over you. How many times did Jacob say today in three verses? Twice. Which shows that he was desperate. I want it right now. This is and, and isn't that interesting? That's what we'll do to nouns that are around us, persons, places, or things. Listen, man, this is your only opportunity. So if if we don't do something now, you're gonna miss out on this opportunity with me. You're gonna miss this opportunity with this business. You're gonna miss this opportunity with this with this opportunity with this job. Whatever whatever the case is, you're gonna miss it. Isn't that interesting that today shows up twice in three verses? So not only number one, if we're pointing this, not only did Jacob had desire, but it was coupled with desperation. But Jacob was determined, which again, determination is not really a bad thing necessarily. He was determined that he wanted to be a part of that blessing that Abraham had in Genesis chapter 12. He wanted to be a part of that. And I understand, as you would, he was determined, but he destroyed himself. And sometimes that's where that's where determination can get you. Determination can actually destroy you. Something that's inherently good 
could actually destroy you. So notice what Jacob's saying. Swear to me today. So he swore to him, and then he sold his birthright to Jacob. You know, it's very interesting that Jacob felt like he had to do it this way in order to obtain his desire. Many times what we could do is our determination can be so strong that your determination is actually the thing that's breaking you down. The thing that's inherently good is actually the attribute, which is which is a strong attribute for a person to have. I'm not saying it's not. But your determination can actually break you down. So, you know, you think about this. There's there's times where you're determined to do something or to learn something or to figure something out or to make something work. And when you're determined to do those things and you don't know how to rest, you don't know how to let something breathe, you don't know how to stand still, you don't know how to let things develop, when you don't know how to do that, you will press things quicker. You will press it quicker. You know, it's interesting sometimes in the sports world where if someone's trying to learn a new set, if someone's trying to learn a new play, if someone's trying to learn a new system, sometimes they want to learn something so bad that they make the thing that they're supposed to learn harder when it's actually a simple concept. It's actually a simple concept. But because they're so determined to learn said set or, or move or system, they will make the system harder than what the system needs to be because they're so determined to make it work. You and I can be so determined to make a noun work in your life that you make the system harder. And sometimes we don't come into these things with a, well, okay, since I won't make it hard, then I guess I just won't say anything. Well, I guess I just won't do anything. Well, I guess I'll just wait till they do something. Well, I get, so now you're coming in with a bad attitude. So then now you're working against yourself that way too. So whether you're determined to make it work or you just stop and just expect, well, okay, fine. I won't do nothing then. I'll just wait. That's not a, that's not a good attitude either. So if, if we're in, side a or side b we both need to check our hearts because that's not both both sides are wrong both sides is wrong so what jacob is doing here in verse in verse 33 he's so determined to cheat the system that he makes his brother sell something that should never have been sold but he makes his brother sell it you see what i'm saying he made the system harder than it needed to be he made the system harder. And that's what you and I can do because we feel like either pe- other people are making us feel this way or you make yourself feel this way. You feel as if so many other things and people are ahead of you in life because of where they are that you feel like you're going to miss your moment. You're going to miss your now. So you don't want to miss it, right? So therefore not to miss it, then you supercharge the process because in your mind, if I don't do this, I'm going to miss out on this opportunity. And I don't know what I'm going to do if I miss out on this. I don't know where I'm going to go if I miss out on this. I don't know what I'm going to do if I miss out on this. You ever say phrases like that? That phrase alone is a sign of not having faith. 
Think about it for a second. Let's think about it logically and rationally and scripturally and biblically. I don't know what I'm going to do if I miss out on my now. Think about what you just said. I don't know. That's the first I. What I'm going to do, that's the second I. If I miss out on this opportunity, that's the third I. Where is God in what you just said? He's nowhere. Because you're you're still focused on your ability and your power to obtain your desire, which is inherently good, but you're focused on yourself and how you're going to get it done. And that's that's why things, that's why churches, that's why relationships, that's why spiritual life, that's why so many things break down because that's where we put people. And then we guilt people that they don't want to move as fast as you do. Or we guilt people because they don't want what you want. Or we guilt, so we can't, we got to be careful. We got to be careful. And Jacob's doing the same thing. So we have to understand the desire is beautiful, but let's reach for that desire Let's reach for that desire with God together and let's make him make it beautiful. And I think sometimes what we tend to do is we try to make something that's inherently beautiful and we try to enhance it rather than letting God make the situation beautiful. And that takes some faith. And trust me, guys, I understand the position. The Man, I got I don't want this to pass. I don't want that to pass. I don't want, like I get it. I understand, and, and a part of me kind of says it's kind of natural because it's natural to try to rush it. I mean, think about Abraham himself, Genesis 12, Genesis 16. Look, maybe maybe I'm missing my moment. Maybe maybe God has passed us. Maybe God has forgot about us. I mean, I know he said it in Genesis 12, but it's been years. And Sarah, man, maybe it's Hagar. Maybe it's her. Let's get this done because I don't want to miss my moment. So Abram and Sarai's desire was good, but then they got desperate. Then when they got desperate, then now you have Ishmael in the picture. You see what I'm saying? When when you have desire and you couple that with desperation, it's always a recipe for something to blow up in your face. Just trust me. It's always It's always a recipe for something to blow up in your face. You can't have desire with desperation can't have that. And you can't be so determined with that desire and desperation, then you'll end up being destroyed. And we don't want that for you. And I don't want that for you guys, because I care about you guys. And I want to see you guys have those nouns in your life. And I want it. I want the Lord to make those things beautiful. Quick, just real quick, just real quick. Go to, uh, because I want y'all to see this. Um, Go to Ecclesiastes. Um, I believe it's chapter, I believe it's chapter two. Yeah, no, no, no. It's chapter three. It's chapter three. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter three. And again, if, if you guys have that feeling of that antsiness and then you have a bad attitude with waiting and then you have a guilty attitude for waiting and then you have a wrathful mindset with waiting and then you have an impatience with waiting, I understand all that. If that's where you can be and where you can find yourself at sometimes, look at Ecclesiastes 3. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. There is a time. And was this time for Jacob to get his desire? It was not time. 
was it time for that younger son to get his blessing in Genesis or in Luke chapter 15? It wasn't time. It wasn't time yet. And so as we look at this, I just want you guys to see verse 11. He, talking about God, he has made everything. So a noun is a person, place, or thing, which that literally encompasses everything in this life. Everything in this life is either a person, it's either a place, or it's a thing. God has made, verse 11, God has made every single noun that is in your life right now. He can make those things beautiful in whose time? In his. But here's the thing. I don't like to hear that, though, because to hear that means I have to be more patient. There has to be more time elapsed. There has to be more days. There has to be more weeks and there has to be more months. So I really don't want to hear that. I agree with the concept. I will always amen that, but I don't want to agree with that. If that's the case, keep living life, and you're going to find yourself in the same position as Jacob, in the same position as the prodigal son, and the same position as so many other people in Scripture. You're going to find, and I just want you guys to avoid that. He has made everything beautiful in his time. It's a, it's a beautiful concept. So we're seeing here just from these couple of verses in Genesis, 12, Genesis 25, there's desire, but that's coupled with desperation. That's not good. There's some determination, but Jacob is destroying himself and he's destroying his own brother. But here's number three. As we look at this text, well, quickly, verse 34, just the end of point two. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, and he ate and he drank, and he arose and he went his way. But then watch what it says. So verse 32, Esau says, what is this birthright to me? Which shows that Esau didn't value what he had. Then verse 34, then notice because of how Jacob went about it, Esau despised something that was good, his birthright. He hated it. Guys, you will get to the point where if you rush a noun in your life, you think it's going to end up one way, but you're going to find out you're going to hate it because you rush the time. You rush the process. You rush the timing of it. And you're going to find out that you're going to hate how you went about doing stuff. You're going to hate it. You're going to hate it but something that's inherently good and then it's going to come with, okay, maybe I should have been more patient. Maybe I should have spent more time. Maybe I should have prayed more. Maybe I should have, you see what I'm saying? So we, we got to do things the way God wants them done. We got to do things the way God, and here's the thing. And especially as guys, again, girls, women, you guys are included in this. But I want to give a, a special encouragement to you fellas out there. You have to stand on a foundation of God's time. Because if you don't stand on the foundation of God's time, you will always try to be pushed off that rock. Someone, something, 
or or an opportunity will always try to rush you off of that rock. You don't have to be mean. You shouldn't be. You don't have to be a jerk. You shouldn't be. You don't have to be forceful. You shouldn't be. You don't have to be angry. You shouldn't be. But you need to be firm. You need to be firm. We, I will wait on God's time. That's what you need. You need to be firm. You do not let you do not need to let a noun rush what God wants to make it beautiful. Now, does it mean that you don't care about the now? No. You can care about the now. But do not let the noun rush what God wants out of it. You gotta you you have to stand firm on something. You gotta stand firm on something. And then when it's time to move. <laughs> then you you run for the hills and you move. Let's go. We're doing this. But you you have to you have to show that you submit to somebody else's authority and you don't submit to everything that you want. You got to show that to the, to the nouns in your life. So to the people in your life, to the places in your life, and to the things in your life, you have to constantly be a rock to show them I'm standing on this. I'm standing firm on this and this this about me is never going to change. You have you have to be you can't be afraid to show that. Okay? You can't be afraid to show that. And sometimes you're going to have to stand on that foundation by yourself. And that's okay. But there's going to be a day where a noun will stand on that rock with you. And that's going to be an incredible day for you. And I can't wait to celebrate that day when that happens. But until then, what should we do? What should we do? Well, let's find out. So here's the third thing that I'm seeing. Let's go to Genesis 35 as we kind of close these thoughts. Genesis 35. So from Genesis 25 to 35, so about 10 chapters, Jacob sees some stuff, man. Jacob sees Jacob is blamed for taking flock. Jacob, uh, he has to serve for 14 years. He's duped a couple times. He's tricked a couple times. Jacob is wrestling an angel. You know, his hip is out of joint. Jacob has been through some stuff. <laughs> He's been through some stuff. Why? Because his desire was met with desperation. Now he had to go through some stuff. When your desire is met with desperation, it's just natural. You're just going to have to go through some stuff. And Jacob has gone through it. So now he's walking with a limp now. Now he's older now. Now he's had to put in extra work and extra time into stuff that he probably wouldn't have to if he was maybe more patient, right? So sometimes that comes that comes with a limp for you. But then notice how Jacob learns through this. Many times we can hold this over, over people, but notice how Jacob is learning and God is molding him through this. Watch this. Um, Genesis 35 and notice verse like 11 through 13. So Jacob returns back to Bethel, right? And notice what, what God says to him. Verse 11. And God said to him, I am God almighty. Didn't we just say before, I can't lose this thing. I don't know what I would do. I don't know how to, you see what I'm saying? Notice all these eyes. And how many times did Jacob said today? Twice. Now watch verse, watch verse 11. God said to him, 
I. Who's that I referring to? God. I am God, Jacob. You finally see me now. You're not desperate anymore. You're not destroying yourself anymore. You're learning to depend on me more. Now let me introduce myself to you. I'm God. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Think about that for a minute. We won't even get the introduction to God until you get to the point where you're totally dependent on him. But if you're still antsy, if you're still desperate, if you're destroying yourself, you don't know how to depend on him. And you will never hear God's introduction. And Jacob is saying, or God is saying, now you're depending on me. I'm God. <laughs> I'm, I'm God. Now, notice what he says. This is, this is ridiculous. Notice what he says. Jacob, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations will proceed from you and kings will come from your body isn't this what Jacob wanted in Genesis chapter 25 this is what he wanted all those years ago but notice all the stuff he had to go through just so God can tell him what he had for him already I want you guys and myself included I don't want you guys to have to go through stuff to eventually get what God was already going to give you. Don't just don't go through it. Now, yes, we all have to go through things, but as much as we can with our humility and with our dependence on him, let's all really strive. It doesn't mean we're perfect because I'm not, and I know you're not, but let's strive to in every situation depend on him all right let's let's depend on him and i know the temptation to rush things quicker and faster and make things let's not get to that desperation point let's not get there it's a beautiful thing that the the birthright that he wanted from abraham god has given it to him it's an amazing thing something that you've always reached for something you feel like everybody has always passed you for I feel like I'm missing my moment. I feel like in the past, I've missed my moment. So this this noun is here right now. I can't miss this again. I can't miss it again. I understand it. I get it. But let God give it to you. Now watch this. Verse verse 13. Uh, No, actually verse 12. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give this land to... Did he say Jacob would obtain it or did he say I will give it? <laughs> God said I will give it to you. Man, that's a I don't I know what it feels like. Okay, let's just be let's just be transparent here. So when it comes to a noun for me in my life, a noun is a person, place or thing. I know what it feels like for one of those. I know what it feels like. Well, Technically, too, but I know what the Lord feels like to give you a place where you didn't force it. You weren't even looking for it. You weren't, 
You weren't pulling strings. You weren't making phone calls. You weren't, you were literally depending on him and just doing what you knew what to do. And he gives you a place. That's different. It's it's a different feeling when you don't force the issue, no matter how good the thing is. You literally let God give it to you. That's that's I'm telling y'all, it is different and it's so much better than even if you could have conjured it up. Now I'm looking forward to the day where with the other ones, I know that God gave it to me rather than you reaching for it. And Jacob has finally learned, I gave this to you. I give you what you wanted. You wanted to be a part of Abraham's land and Abraham's promise. I'll give it to you now. Man, I got chills. This is ridiculous. And then not only to you, but I will give it to your descendants. After you, I give this land. Verse 13. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. Isn't that interesting that it gives the image that God left, but then it gives you a, a, a small inkling of the relationship now between Jacob and God that before was Jacob talking with God before what Jacob was doing Jacob was Jacob was being desperate with himself and he was being desperate with his mother trying to figure it out of how my, how am I going to get this blessing God was nowhere in that process to get what he wanted and to get what his mother wanted for her favorite son where was God in that nowhere but isn't it interesting how God leaves and then it says, and he, capital H, meaning God, and he talked with him. Which indicates they're talking about more than just this land. They're talking as friends now. Come on, man. Come on, man. That's different. That's different. It's one thing to depend on God, but it's one thing to talk to him about it. Lord, what do you think? What are you seeing? How do you want me to move with this? Help me to stand firm in this. Help me not to move in this. Help me to trust you in this. Help me if this if this noun stays or if this noun goes. Help me to stay. Help me to stay focused on you. Help me to stay in the foundation. Keep me dependent on you. Keep me humble. Keep my attitude right as I'm waiting on this now. That's different. That's a different way to talk, and it's a different way to move. And I want to I want to move that way better. And um, I really hope you want to move that way better too. So am I too late? Did I miss my moment? Did I miss my noun? Did I miss my opportunity? With God, one thing I'm learning in my life. With God, he's never late for you. He's never late for you. 
And so don't compare your life with others. Don't compare your life with others with others as literally a physical race. Don't compete. Don't even look in your mind and say others are ahead. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. And his promise, in that context in Peter, his promise is he's coming back. His promise also that he be with us always. His promise also that he said he loved us and that he's faithful. And whatever he deems necessary, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's a different way to live, guys. It's a different way to move. And and just a quick note to the guys here. Young guys, teenagers, guys in your 20s, guys in your 30s, even, even men that are married. We need guys to lead more like this. And I'm trying to develop to be more like that. We need guys to lead in faith. And sometimes as you lead in faith, those women that are next to us, those kids that are next to us, the congregation that's next to us, sometimes they won't understand why you're moving the way you're moving. Sometimes you'll get criticized for moving the way you move. Sometimes you'll be rushed to move quicker. Sometimes you'll, sometimes you'll, you'll hear opinions about the decisions that you're making. But that's the territory of being a leader of faith. Because those same concerns and those same feelings and those same things that people want you to rush in, I got them too. But the difference is, even though I have the same feelings everybody else has about my decisions, the difference is you have faith in somebody that sees the whole picture. And you trust in that even though you can't see it. Our women and our kids and our our congregations and the world needs to see people that will stand on that, that will never waver on that. And whether they like it or don't like it, that, that is... That is the way to lead. And young men, please pray about that. Um, read about men like that in Scripture. And, and always humbly ask for God's help. Because you won't see it. There'll be dark days. There'll be disagreements. There'll be a lot of things happen, man. I, there's going to be a lot that's going to happen. But the Lord needs men that will let God give you the answer. And I hope you want to be that guy. I want to be that guy too. So, and we need those women and, and, and other people to lift us up when when we're in that position. And if you got somebody like that, guys, that's going to trust your lead and follow, you better, you better look at that, man. There may be something there, right? There may be something there, but 
you know, as we do this together, man, this is a process. We're all working together. And I appreciate you guys so much, man. Love you guys. And uh, hopefully, I don't think I have a meeting on Monday, so we should be good. So I'll see you guys on Monday um, for another podcast. Thanks, guys.